I got a lot more equipment than I usually do, so you need to tell me if everything looks and sounds okay. You sound and look perfect. Okay, outstanding. Yeah, your your lighting your lighting is great. You don't look like a radish like me. I I, I can set this this light temperature to blue, and I am still red. I don't know what's going on. I'm I'm not this red in real life. What's going on? Are you? Uh, it's been are you out? meat for seven or eight days. How could I be anything but? I should be brown. Are you out in uh, Arizona? Yes, sir. Yes, yeah, sir, awesome, Doctor Tom. That's awesome, dude. How's the how's the comp going so far? I I, I was only there for a couple hours. Um, I got to meet the um the 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 three the the two guys who are the directors, yep. and then one of the guys who's uh, partners with them, Jason. And then basically I was just talking to people there and I don't make it out much since, um, I started the podcast, Yeah. but really what's crazy is I just hung out with like, mostly just like my cohort, just and a lot of women, like just women over 50 who are twice as strong as me. It was cool. Yeah, man. Like who, li- well, who listened to the podcast? I'm like, what's wrong with you old ladies? Don't you got something better to do than listen to my vile, dirty mouth? But I was just hugging on old ladies the whole time. It was dope. Yeah. Welcome to, uh, welcome to my world. That's my strategic training strategy is I, I found a, an affiliate that has some of the baddest ass women I've ever met in my life. And they just crush me on a regular basis. So it's a good strategy. Yeah. So I didn't get to see much of the comp, but I got to hang uh, with the people, you know, who I, I saw, um, cool people there. Um, you know, who Max El Haji is over at training think tank. Uh, I don't, I haven't met any of the think tank guys before. So, but you know of them, right? You know, mm-hmm. the, yeah. the train. so there were two guys there that I like taunt on my podcast a lot. Like I watched their podcast and then talk shit about them. And I saw them and that was awesome seeing them. Nice. I loved seeing them. And I saw um, Dusty Highland and he's mm-hmm. just from Dogtown CrossFit. That was, yeah. I only got to see him for a second, but that was cool. I saw Bosman. Yeah. Um, you, you know who I saw? I saw um, uh, AFT. Do you remember him? Um, no. <laughs> what's his real name? Uh he, he was a OPT's number one competitor back in the day. Uh, okay. Yeah, I don't recall. I don't recall his name. Um, so someone will say it in the comments. I cannot believe I and and I met and he was the, what he happened to be at ASU because it's at Arizona State University. He happened yeah. to be there for his fourteen year old daughter is a um uh a, a, a amazing you know top twenty you know basketball player I guess in the country and he was there oh, for a basketball tournament awesome. and Masters just happened to be going on. Yeah, so he was no tickled. Way. Dude, yeah, that's um, so cool. Well, I saw the, t- the picky. I saw the picky with uh, Greg and and Boz and everything yesterday. Yeah, was Greg there, or was that yeah, an old I, pick? I, I'm here. I'm here because I came to Arizona to hang out with Greg. So my okay, my nice. kids and his kids are friends. So we get the families together and just hang out. Oh, for, it's like five days of just like hanging out with the cousins. Um, it was so good. It was so good seeing him at, him at the games, man, and hanging out with everybody and and Greg and folks in the trailer park. I don't think I saw you there though. I think you were busting your ass. I was. I was. Yeah. Oh, so you you took the silver bullet to the uh, games too? Uh, no, no, no oh, dude. It's oh. so it's so hard to get a pass into the uh, into the trailer park. Um, but you know, Greg and uh, or excuse me, Craig and uh, Matt have been uh, buddies forever and it just so happened that one of my patients had the spot next to them um so it was awesome oh that's cool let me see if i can find a picture here on your instagram of uh so you have an airstream that's how i remember you the most you used to come to the um the ddc's oh here it is you would come to the ddc's and i would see that thing parked in the uh in the back absolutely man that was uh such a fortunate blessing because i lived in the bay for gosh 25 years 
It's there for a long time. Look at that thing. No, man, it's a, uh, yeah, it was, it was so good when the kids were, were younger. I mean, they're a little bit older now, but you know, to have a captive audience like that and get out into the woods and just spend time together, it was a, it was a wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, Tom, you, um, you, uh, you are a, um, you're a physician. Where did you go to school? Uh, in Arizona, actually, Arizona College of Osteopathic Medicine. I did uh, medical school there, uh, undergrad at Ohio University, and then finished at Cal State uh, East Bay, um, out in the Bay. And then, yeah, I, I worked at uh, Contra Costa County for, gosh, I was there for almost 20 years now. Where in Contra Costa County? For the county? At the county hospital. Yeah, I was the director of the emergency department there for for almost a decade. The what department? Emergency department. Emergency. Yeah, man. And, and where is that located? What city is that in in Contra Costa Mar County? In uh, Martinez. Okay. All right. Uh, my right mom next, was, right next to Craig, man. Yeah, M my mom was uh, an attorney for Contra Costa County, so she probably oh. worked in the building next next to you. Yeah, I was a little sure, kid downtown. then. I was maybe like four or five, but yeah. Yeah. So she worked downtown in Martinez then. Uh, and, and, and then tell me what's an osteopath. So in the medical profession, right. You can be a, a DO or an MD, right. Uh, and so DOs in addition to everything that allopaths do, which is an MD, also get about 400 hours of training in body work. Um, but okay. we take all the same certifications, testing, residency. Um, so mo most of us, once we get out into the real world, unless you can really carve out a practice niche, it's, it's hard to employ those skills just because you need the, the time and the space to actually, um, you know, be able to be with patients for that long to do the body work. So most of the time you'll go to the hospital and you'll be seeing a DO or an MD and you'll never know the difference. It, um, it, I was talking to Greg yesterday and, you know, he can be uh, critical about um, chiropractors <laughs> and body workers and stuff. And yeah. I said, Oh, McCoy's coming on. Uh, he's an osteopath. And he just looks at me and goes, it's legit. It's legit. <laughs> So, so basically, but what I'm hearing is it's an, it's an interesting thing when you say body work. So what I'm hearing is, is that, um, it's a doctor with it, it's, it's a, uh, when you say DO, you mean doctor of osteopath. And when you say what's, what's M, in MD just stands for medical doctor, medical doctor and DO is doctor of osteopathy. Yeah. Osteopathy. So, okay. Yeah. And then the, the founding principle is that the, the body has, you know, an innate desire to be able to heal itself if you put it in the right position to be able to do so, you know, on in all of the ways that influence it. And so that's where it's called OMM, osteopathic manual manipulation. That's what DOs get trained in uh, during medical school, um, right, during their first four years of medical school, uh, to utilize that as a component of the overall treatment strategy. You would, um, you would think that everyone then should be a, a DO. Well, I think that the principle that, you know, your body and how you move and how you carry, you know, the stress or the total allostatic load and that it can manifest itself in physical ways um, is a real thing. Um, but to be effective and be able to utilize that strategy, you have to spend 
a lot of time, um, you know, honing that craft. Um, and so the people who do it and do it really well, I mean, it's just like anything else, right? It's like, you know, you know what they call the person who finished last in their medical school class, right? A no, tell me. Doctor. A doctor. Right. So <laughs> there's, there's just like there's great mechanics right. and shitty mechanics. Right. There's great right. doctors and shitty doctors. Um, right. And that's, you know, a lot of us can get caught up in credentialism and this, that, and the other. But I think once you start to spend more time in, you know, the health space, you will meet people who are just amazing practitioners mm. in, you know, whatever their domain is. And it, it matters a lot less kind of what the initials after their name are, um, but their life experience, um, you know, how they approach what they do um, and who they work with. Um, so that's, you know, that comes with time though. So, so the 400 hours are to get the degree and then you're saying, then you're still basically a fledgling. You have to put in a lot of work to be a good DO. No, the, I mean, the, yeah, the 400 hours are just required, right? Yeah. It's part of the training program. Uh, but I think the people who, I mean, it is a very small percentage of people who practice OMM regularly, and usually that's all they do. That's and, the majority are, did of their you, practice. Did, did you, so did, were you able to practice it when you were um, the emergency director over in Contra Costa County? Oh, good God, no. You ever been to yeah, a county yeah. ER, man? I, just on TV. <laughs> just on TV. Okay. I mean, we had the, you know, the lockdown psych ward for the county. We take care of all the detention patients, everybody that gets arrested. So, you know, it, in order for body work to be effective, everybody has to be on the same page. Right. Uh, and generally, you know, when people are coming to the emergency department, um, a lot of times you're interacting with them on one of the worst days of their lives. Um, right. So it's usually not the right time or place to be diving into body work. The chaos, chaos is happening. Listen, man, it's, uh, you know, you got to triage and deal with the most immediate need and then you, you go from there. Um, d during the, um, the, I, I don't know what you want to call it anymore. Fuck, I don't even know what to call it to be in, in all honesty. The, the thing that, that, that the, the television tells us is the pandemic. Were you working in a hospital during those years? Yeah, I was running the ER. Oh, you were there for that. Oh yeah. Wow. Wow. You must have seen some shit in there. It was crazy, man. Um, you know, and, and more so, you know, just the buildup, because uh, we didn't, you know, we have colleagues in, you know, Italy and around the world who really were experiencing the brunt of it. And because we knew so little in the beginning, there was just a lot of fear and concern. Um, because we just didn't know what to expect, you know, and, and thankfully uh, it turned out to be very different than what we thought it was going to be. Um, but, you know, the, the general mentality when you're in that position is you have to prepare for the worst and hope for the best. Right. So a lot of my time over that, you know, couple of years you know, set up an outside tent hospital, completely changed all the workflows for the emergency department. Um, it was it was an interesting, interesting time. Why? Why did did you retire from there? Uh, did not retire. No, I was. I was. I could have retired if I stayed um, a county employee and probably another two or three years. Uh, but I found my passion in doing what I'm doing now, and I just couldn't look myself in the mirror if I uh, didn't follow it. I, I think I found your passion. We've had a lot of. Um, 
uh let me see if i can if i can spot it we've had a lot of uh yeah we had rich froning on the bear hunter and i saw you chopping down trees this must be very unpopular <laughs> not in, not in ohio and pennsylvania man let me show you this guy chopping down a tree fucking abusing i can't find it right where is that uh what what is your passion is your passion chopping down trees now? What are you doing? No, man. I mean, I, I me, think that me. what's going on. I think on that all of us, right? All of us have, you know, a calling or a a line of of work that truly feeds our soul and, and lights our fire. Um, and I think for you know, for everyone, you know, the hope is that you can find that and somehow incorporate your life's work so that it continues to fuel that fire right and for me you know i loved working in the inpatient setting and acuity and doing procedures um but you know working in the er it, it takes a little bit of your soul every day you know between the, the shift work uh, and the level of trauma uh, that you see um you know it's a lot uh, and I've always loved, um, you know, the health and performance optimization space. And as I became more educated and spent more time there, uh, I knew that that was what I wanted to pursue. You knew what was what you wanted to pursue because you said you're calling. What was it that you wanted to pursue? So, I mean, the, the vision, right, is to create an actual effective healthcare model, right? And the integration of, you know, the best evidence-based practices from the medical side with what we know is foundationally most important, you know, an appropriate nutrition strategy, strength and conditioning program, and understanding the importance of recovery and those being the foundational bedrocks and having the services or the capabilities to offer support when it's needed uh, in other areas, whether that's in evaluation or, or interventions. And the most important component of that, right, is in a community setting like that. That's the vision. Um, and that's what we know is, is most effective. And that's what we've been able to build in Ohio. And that's literally what I'm staring at right now outside of these uh, war room windows here. What are you staring at? What is it? You, you, uh, I am now. I'm. I am looking at you know proven HQ being built before my eyes. Oh, oh, awesome! Yeah. Are, are you working with Proven? Yeah. So McCoy Medical is the official health and performance partner for Proven Athletics. Holy shit, dude! That is awesome. Did did they approach you? Uh, I've known, I mean, Jen and I, my, my co-founder, uh, have known Nick and Taylor for many, many years. Uh, Nick, uh, uh, Johnston and, uh, Taylor Williamson. Correct. Okay. Uh, and have done work, uh, with Taylor in the past and it was really just a natural evolution of that relationship to be able to provide, you know, comprehensive support and performance optimization for their elite athletes and tier two and tier three athletes. Um, and so we formalized that partnership, gosh, about, about a year ago, 
it was about three or four months before the games last year we started working with folks um t- tom tell me the name of it what did you call it um uh vital human what did you call your 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 practice uh M- mccoy medical mccoy medical yep so, so you, what, you really you really are living your dream yeah no i mean uh you know my clinic uh is about i don't know 100 yards away from my affiliate that i own uh co-own in ohio uh and what we're building here in nashville right is a seamless integration that literally under one roof we have you know health and performance optimization, what I think is going to be the best CrossFit affiliate on planet earth, uh, and a full recovery protocol program all here for everyone, right? For the community affiliate side and for professional athletes. What's the name of your affiliate in Ohio? Uh, Chagrin Falls CrossFit. Chagrin Falls. And that's the one that um, uh, uh, I think most of my listeners know, John Woolies. Is that your partner? Yeah, man. Nate yeah. yeah. And then yes, there's sir. a third guy too, right? Uh, woman. Yeah. Woman. Jen Pishko. So Jen, Jen, Jen's an OG. She's ran the affiliate for almost 10 years. And then John and I came to the party very late. So we've been partners for uh, over a year with Jen. Yeah. I remember he was talking about when he bought it. He was pretty darn excited. Yeah, man. No, it's, uh, I mean, you know, when you spend, you know, time in an affiliate and especially as a healthcare provider, you really start to understand the secret sauce of why CrossFit is so effective. Right. And, and it's the same thing in healthcare. Right. And that's the whole concept of creating a health home and an affiliate is the true health home. Right. And that's, that's the vision for me is that this is, I am looking at healthcare 3.0, right? The integration of medical care that actually emphasizes what's most important that only gets lip service paid to it now in the mainstream medical system, right? Strength and conditioning, right? With the appropriate parameters around building lean body mass and muscle, high intensity interval work, um, you know, a zone two component if it's necessary, if you have a degree of metabolic resistance, um, appropriate recovery protocols that, you know, really start to discuss the importance of, of sleep and other modalities to help balance allostatic load, which all of us are, you know, for the most part, way off kilter with and society as it exists today. And then just the basics of nutrition, right. And, and CrossFit, you know, is the prescription, right. Everybody can start with that. And that's 85 to 90% of the game. Um, you, you said, um, just now you started that with affiliate is, uh, what did you call it? Affiliate is the home of health, the health home, the yeah. health home. So affiliate is a, the health home. And then you reiterated nutrition, movement, recovery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are the, I mean, those are the three core pillars, right? And the, and the challenge with how the system is structured now is that, because we have a model, right, that is predicated on doctors seeing as many bodies as humanly possible and as quickly as possible, and compensation being derived from procedures and interventions and filling hospital beds, which requires you to be sick, 
there is no incentive and no real ability for a physician to be able to actually pay their bills and keep the lights on and actually spend time with their patients and talk about the most important things. And even if they do have the time, we don't get the training to be able to understand how to talk to people about this. But you know who does? CrossFit coaches, mm, right? Mm. And that's part of the vision, right, about what we really want to bring to the affiliate and to the medical side is we know that this works, right? But actually helping people understand why it works on the affiliate and the coaching side and on the physician and the health provider side who haven't been exposed to CrossFit yet will allow us to be that much more effective both in advocacy um, as this being, I think, you know, when you look at numbers and volume, probably one of the most effective healthcare systems in the world, right? When you look at the number of affiliates and the number of lives touched and the distribution around the globe, you know, what other health system is curing or preventing, you know, the primary drivers of death and disease um, as it exists today is CrossFit. I don't, I don't know that there is one. And to add to that, what you did throw at the end and, and, and you emphasize it is also then the community piece. So basically like-minded people to basically mirror off of, and, and I guess for um, elements of accountability and responsibility. This is what I am most excited about. Um, and I know that you had Karin on recently to talk about the conference coming up in Austin. Oh, you'll be, and you're going to be speaking there right on February 2nd. Correct. Austin, Correct. Texas, Tom McCoy. Um, okay. But I think this is one of the most underappreciated, but probably the most powerful and differentiating components of what separates CrossFit from every other fitness modality out there. Um, and there's science, right, that proves that. And whether we're talking about addiction, right, and I know you know Dale King very well and the work that he's done, or you know, metabolic dysfunction um, and all the other disease states that that plays a significant role in, or mental health challenges, whether it be anxiety or depression or PTSD, the community component and what happens you know, neurologically, hormonally, metabolically, just by being surrounded by a like-minded tribe is extremely powerful and has a measurable impact on your physiology. And I think for many of us, right, who work in affiliates, we utilize this as a medical intervention every day. And we don't, we all know community is important, but I don't think there's a real understanding of the science that already exists that demonstrates how important it is and why it's more important now than ever before because we are becoming more and more isolated and subjectively lonely. Um, and that isolation, right, objective isolation and subjective loneliness uh, have significant impacts on health outcomes. Um, uh, Eaton Beaver, uh, good morning, the beard is on point. I think he's talking about yours, not mine. Uh, Jake Chapman uh, coming in hard and nasty like usual. And osteo is what chiropractors think they are. Jeez, please be nice. Uh, Cairo to osteo is astrology to astronomy. My God, my God. Easy, easy, easy. 
Doctors put their fingers in your butt. Kairos don't do that. Point, Kairos. Sorry, I don't mean to talk shit to my guests, but hey, um, you, you know what's an insane example of that, Tom, is um, uh, what Schindeldecker is doing. Yes. Because he has the, the um, um, what's the guy called who after you go to jail, he, 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 or after you get out of jail, oh, the probation. He has the probation officers work out with the kids. Yeah, and no, I man. guarantee you that's the like that's the that's a huge unfucking and not on the kids part, but that unfucks the uh, the probation officer because the probation officer is the doctor that you described. It's trying to get as many patients as possible through the door, right? The probation officer probably has a caseload that's way too big, doesn't have time for this bullshit. Gets you know what I mean? And then they have to go and work out with these kids, and all of a sudden there's probably a connection there between the two that's like so. Um, uh, I don't know if, what, if this is the right word. Humanitizing brings a humanity to the situation that's like insane. And Schindeldecker was talking about how the judge is like, hey, we've done tons of exercise programs, you know, like running programs, this for these delinquent kids. We've never seen the success, the um, lack of recidivism, recidivism, recidivism um, yeah. the reduced recidivism uh, that, that you're you're actually doing here. It's insane. And I guarantee you it's that community piece. It, 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 it's, it's not the thrusters. It's done not the thrusters. And well, it's not it, just working out with other bad kids. And I use that. I, I know someone's going to get mad at me for that, but bear with me. It's working out with the probation officer. I get fuck. I bet my life on it. It So it is the thrusters, but it's, okay. it's the thrusters with everybody else doing thrusters at mm. the same time. Mm. Right. It is, it's a, it's a tribe working through shared hardship together for a common mm. goal. Right. We are, evolutionarily wired mm. to thrive in that setting right this is what we are built and designed to do and the world is as, as it exists today robs us of that innate human experience yeah the the, the work that matt and debbie are doing and they're they're uh oh they're in your state uh, too right they're in ohio too yeah it's, yeah. it's amazing Right. And the rates of improvement that they're getting. I mean, this is the reason why affiliates should be in juvenile detention centers, why they should be in jails and prisons, why they should be in hospitals. Right. And we're doing the inverse here. Right. We're we're bringing supportive medical services to the affiliate setting so that the affiliate can truly be the one stop shop. Right. Like if you cut your arm off, it's a really good thing that there's an ER for you to go to, right? Yes, so sir. if you need yep. high acuity medical care for, you know, an emergent procedure, you know, or you, you need something else done that we can't provide, then great. But that is, that is the exception to the rule, my brother. And if we do everything well, like we do in the affiliate, when the coaching is strong and the community is strong and the balance is appropriate, your reliance on the dysfunctional system is decreased exponentially if you if you trip while robbing a nordstrom's with 10 of your friends out the door and you break your leg you need the er right i could i could tell you do you still live in the bay man <laughs> no i'm on instagram uh and tom this is a really rude question so i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna help him jake jake's really just being he's on fire today so i'm gonna, I'm gonna soften this question he says okay. what's tom's bench press one rep max now let me let me break that into two pieces what's your all-time pr versus like if we drug you out to the garage right now it made you do oh it. man i honestly i don't my, my bench pr 
You ever got two forty fives on there? You ever got two plates on there? Oh yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. No, it's Not probably me. it's probably two, two thirty five, two forty. I'm thinking. And, and what about today? Oh, not far off. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Well, there you go, Jim. I'm as I'm as strong now as I've ever been. Yeah, it's definitely like definitely was not not better before. <laughs> Dude, Jake Chapman has it out for you. Jesus Christ. Yeah, he does look like he benches four hundred. Let's take that as a compliment. Um, let's 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 uh, put all this uh um big picture bullshit talk aside and let me ask you a really hard question. Yeah, man. What about Q tips? What about it makes them? no it makes no sense that I should be using them, but I really love them and I love that feeling when I. <laughs> When, when, when I pull them out and I see the just gunks of orange shit on them, there's this like, there's this satisfaction. I'm like 50% through my day. I'm like, now all I have to do is be a good dad and I'm fucking done with the day. Are those, um, uh, are those the only holes that you stick them in? They are. They are. Is that, is that, I mean, is that what they tell you in medical school? Okay, I mean, I just want to make sure ass. we're, I want to make sure we're talking about the ears. Uh, yes, I just swab my uh, inside of my ears, and and I, and I, unfortunately, um, I do them both at the same time. I don't like savor it. I do both at the same time. <laughs> but but any logical thought to the process is like, hey, that's stupid because you're just pushing the shit in. That's correct. I spent a disproportionate amount of time in the ER telling people to stop fucking doing that. Yeah, because what happens? Tell me why. It is satisfying well, though. Have you done it? It's so, such a nice feeling having your hole plunged. Oh, I, I, I have, uh, I have put a Q-tip in my ear yes. before. Yes, I have. Had uh, but, but no, the reason is, is that you can traumatize the canal or you can mm -hmm. actually puncture your tympanic membrane. And for people who are, you know, high producers of cerumen, so the wax right mm -hmm. in your ear, um, you can, you definitely it for the most part make matters worse right and then you impact it uh and removing it after you impact it is a while you enjoy putting a q-tip in your ear yeah moving a petrified wax plug is a wholly different experience what's a petrified wax plug like one well, that's right, been so in there you, so long if you well if you pack it in right it, be, it becomes very hard yeah um and so people can actually pass out when you do that right because you can get a vestibular response the room starts spinning right it's uh <laughs> it can be pretty intense so you know tread lightly my friend i um i uh had a little ringing in my ear this is like 10 years ago mm -hmm. my wife took me to a ear nose and throat doctor mm -hmm. ent yeah. and i sat in a chair and he cleaned out my ears mm-hmm and I had like bionic. You remember Jamie Summers, the bionic woman? <laughs> I had the fucking bionic. I had like bionic hearing, dude, for like a week. It was crazy. I could just like point my ear over and just at something, and just it would. I could just hear like people breathing. Yeah, it no, was it's nuts. A, it's akin to uh, pulling the mouse pulling the thorn out of the lion's foot when you remove somebody's you know wax plug that's been impacted for a year. Yeah, and they realize that they're not going deaf. Yeah, um, you made a friend for life for sure. Yeah, it, it, it was, it was, it was, yeah, and I couldn't hear out of one ear. It's amazing how important it is that you have both ears. If you can't hear out of one ear, the whole world changes. No, hearing is actually one of the biggest drivers for loneliness and isolation um, in the older population, um, which is funny. That comes full circle back to what we've been talking about before. But if you have a hearing deficit, and that, that comes back to the concept of loneliness and in, in that it's a subjective experience. So you can be surrounded by people 
But if you can't hear what they're saying or engage in the community, right, that's a form of isolation. Um, so it's very important. What, what do you think? Um, um, by the way, anyone who wants to hear, Dr. Tom will be speaking um, with a, if you pay a certain amount of money, you can hear him speak. If you pay even more money, um, you can work out with him and like toast him with a glass and like take food off his plate. You guys get to go to a dinner together. You're not getting any of my food. I can tell you that much. <laughs> I mean, he, he eats like this. He holds his hand up above his head so no one can take it. Better, um, better be fast. And that will be February 2nd in Austin, Texas. And the website is – I'll put a link somewhere. It's um, uh, I've been cro- CrossFit uh, Medical Health. Uh, it's Cross – I think the conference is called CrossFit for Health. Okay, cross. Um, but if they if down. they go to yeah if they go to Karen, I know she's got it all over her page. Um, and cross. Okay, Karen Thompson. Too. Yep. Okay. Um. Uh. Where where was I going? Can um. Earwax. <laughs> I'm glad we're covering all the important topics today. So. This one. This one was an important one. Um. Hmm. Okay. I'll come back to that in a second. Tell me what this word means that you've used like three times. I wrote it down here. Alicidic, allostatic, allopathic load, something load. What is that word? Allostatic load. Allostatic load. What is that? Yeah. And we all do that? We all have an allostatic load? Yeah, man. So it's, it's essentially the cumulative total of all of the stressors in your life. So Okay. Oh, I remember. I remember. Hold on. Hold on. Stress. Okay. Uh, I want to ask you to define what loneliness is for me. Uh, we'll come back to that. Okay. Okay. Uh, allostatic load. All the stressors in life. Like, yeah. like what? Like, is being awake a stressor? So, if you do it for too long. Okay. Right? So, shift work, for example, if you're out of sync with your circadian rhythm, can mm-hmm. add to your allostatic load. But it's essentially the, you know, the addition of, you know, family drama or dysfunction. Um, you know, work stress, um, not paying attention to, you know, your, your physical and mental health needs that, that sum total is the allostatic load, the, the total weight of stress that we carry with us, right. Throughout each given day. Isn't it weird that you can lift weights and then like my understanding is it breaks your shit down and then your shit just grows back stronger. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Good. And so holding your breath the same way you hold your breath and you can practice and, and, your, and your body will adapt so you can hold your breath longer and longer and longer. You can train it. But sleep doesn't work like that. Like I can't be like, all right, I'm going to stay up for two days and, and adapt to like not needing sleep. You really you don't ad- that that just you just keep hurting yourself. Right. That's not yeah, you really you really do. Um, and, you know, for those of us you know, who are old enough, it's it's different now in medical training. But, you know, when we trained, it was not unusual you know every two or three days to work 30 or 40 hours in a row um you know that was just part and parcel of the training you know i i walked two miles to school in the snow every day i did it so you're going to do it um and it's very destructive to your physiology Um, lack of sleep oh 100 i mean when you look at when you look at all the elite athletes right and when you look at trends in between us normal humans um, and those folks who perform at the highest levels of sport, they usually sleep 
the most, right? Typically between eight to 10 hours, right? Where, you know, most, most of us mortals are, you know, between the, the six and seven mark. Um, uh, Josh Bridges was telling me um, that's a old time games athlete. He's probably like five, six at most. Mm-hmm. He's telling me that he, he, one of his tactics, so his boys grow taller is to make them sleep more. I'm like, dude, you're crazy. What, what do you well, think? Is he crazy? No, I mean, well, one of the, uh, you know, the misnomers is that you, so much muscle protein synthesis, right? Mm-hmm. That That's when you're reaping the benefits of all of the work that you're doing in the affiliate each day is while you're sleeping. Um, and so not only are you shortchanging yourself hormonally, right? But you're building less lean body mass. Um, your gut is more stressed, right? Because that's when it's kind of reestablishing its, its lining and recuperating from everything it's been dealing with, you know, during the day because we're you know, stuffing our faces nonstop, right? So all of these things play into kind of undermining recovery and, you know, exacerbating allostatic load. But I think his thought is, is that you, you produce human growth hormone while, while you're asleep. Mm-hmm. And if you sleep more, maybe you might grow taller. Yeah, he's uh, he's not wrong. You know, there's the potential is definitely there. I think, unfortunately, I think it, and I have no evidence for this at all. But I think it's it, it's it's a bad situation because I think if you don't sleep, you just end up being shorter. But if you do sleep, you don't get taller. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, like, like if you like if you go to Japan now compared to 20 years ago, I bet you the people are five inches taller. No, sorry, 50 years ago, I bet you the mm-hmm. people are five inches taller now than they were. I bet you there's some crazy stat on that because I think that f- 50 years ago they had a totally different nutritional uh, yeah, intake then, and I think there's those a people lot of are like, to yeah, um, but I don't think it's I don't think they're sleeping more. I don't know. But but I but I but I'm not pushing back on the importance of sleep because even at 51 now, if I just get like 20 minutes less sleep one day mm-hmm. than the next, mm-hmm. I'll I'll have issues throughout the day operating. Like Absolutely. like, like uh, issues I can't even believe I'm having movement issues, weird shit, like yeah, balance uh, movement issues. It's crazy. It's and it, now that I'm as in tune with it as as I am and spend so much time with people talking about it. You know the fact that I lived the majority of my career chronically sleep deprived. Um, I mean, it's sad and I realize, you know, why I was such an asshole most of the time. Um, mm, and mm, right. You know, it, it just impacts everything. You know, you know, what's interesting, the, or what's interesting you said about your job in the beginning is, um, uh, the speed component in which doctors operate, um, the two elements that like kind of hurt their ability to really perform their profession at the highest level is the the speed and the 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 the, the fact that money's made by um diagnosing sickness and so it interrupts probably like uh i'm saying it gently the most gentle way i can but it it interrupts a honest evaluation of what they're seeing and, and then there's kind of a, a speed expectancy to it um hmm. I think that the sad part about that is, Savan, is that as physicians, none of us want to be in that situation. Yeah. But the vast majority of us are trapped, right? Because being able to actually do it the right way 
requires you to, you know, buck the system and, and work outside of, of mainstream medicine, which is not an easy proposition. Where I was going to go with that is the only time I'm ever angry at my kids is when I'm in a rush. It's yeah. the only time. They break a window. I wouldn't care if I took two deep breaths and evaluated it. We're walking to the car and like there's someone waiting for us to move so they get in the parking spot. I, I'll take it out. Like every time I'm short with them, mm-hmm. and this is going back to what you said, why I was in such a bad mood because of lack of sleep, but also the component of trying to move fast. I'm, uh, it is like 99.9% to infinity. I'm only rude or being a bad parent when I'm in a rush. If I take 100%. a few deep breaths and understand the situation, I don't get upset, but it's because something's not going to my expectations and, I, and it just turned into instant asshole. And that's one of the reasons why we've designed our practice, how we have like, a, mm-hmm. you know, our appointment slots are 60 to 90 minutes. Wow. It's, so I don't, and it's crazy, right? It's like every, almost every patient that I have has insurance, right? They mm-hmm. have an assigned PCP, um, but they don't get what they need. Right, which is somebody who actually takes the time to not only listen and understand all of the factors that are playing a role in their current health status, yeah, but then can actually collect the necessary data and construct a plan to help them correct that. Right, that there's no room for that in the current mainstream medical model. Do you, do you ever feel? Um, I I, I had um, someone had offered me some private coaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, to help me with my back and my bicep. Yeah. And we started going down the path and they wanted me to do things that I just didn't want to do. And it wasn't like, it wasn't anything crazy, like stick my thumb in my butt. It was like, Hey, put these, these rubber band, your feet in these rubber bands and do these movements. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. Not because I'm like, not for any intellectual reason. I'm just like not doing that. I don't know why I'm just, it's not in my, um, do, do you, when you want to heal people, and, and you need to give them a prescription that requires their participation, you know, more 100%. than popping two pills and drinking water. Yep. Um, I guess there's a fine line with between like dosing them gently with it or figuring out a way to manipulate them to get them to do that versus like, hey, fuck you. If you don't want to do it, you're just going to be hurt your whole life. You're going to be hurt. Right. I mean, there's like well, a, here's, here's, there's here's an art the to getting them to manipulating yeah. them to do it. Here's the secret. Right. The best practitioners, right, no matter what domain you're in, if you're going to be effective, you're utilizing motivational interviewing techniques. Right. And the evidence is pretty clear around this that your likelihood to follow through with a health health prescription mm-hmm. is significantly higher if you come up with the components mm. oh, wow. that you want to focus on as opposed to me telling you in the, wow. in the traditional paternalistic model. Right. right. So if we're having this discussion, right, about your, your back and your bicep, and we talk about the foundational principles of why we think they're bothering you, right, the, the next step is for me to say, Okay, given what we've discussed about how your day is built, you know, what time we have to be able to to dedicate to this, what principles we need, we know that we need to focus on around core strengthening and what have you. 
what do you think is something that we could commit to right in between us talking now when i see you again that you could be consistent with right what excites you and that's my job if i'm going to be effective to get you to surface that because i can tell you what to do all day to go and do some suzanne summers you know leg squeezes and you'll smile and nod right and you'll walk out and you'll be like i'm not doing that shit. Right, right right and that's not and that's not doing anybody any good right right but the hardest part for a coach or a physician or a mentor in a business situation whatever when you know the answer the hardest part is to sit on your hands and shut the hell up and let the other person learn and grow and come up with it mm. because you're not doing them a solid by trying to shove all of your information to make you look smart down their throat less is more how often do you do that where you think you know something but you're being patient and waiting for them, but then all of a sudden you learn something too. <laughs> well, that's, you know, when you have a true relationship, right, with your patients, it's not a one-way street. Like that's how it should be. You should be learning and growing together, right? And as your relationship grows and your knowledge of each other for, grows, their health improves as well, right? Because all of this is built on trust. Whether I'm working with, you know, a 75 year old executive, right? Who wants to improve their body composition or an elite games athlete, it starts with trust and a human connection, right? Because if you don't have buy-in or believe in the process, you're, we're all just spinning our wheels. Dude, it's funny. The trust thing has been, uh, is way off topic, but it's been a huge thing I've been focused on lately in my life. A couple of years ago, I remember Ben Bergeron. I think it was Ben Bergeron. I heard, he was on the show and he said, or I read it in a book, something he wrote. Um, uh, relationships grow at the speed of trust. Mm. And that's why, you know, um, you know, you get two people who've never met before and you give them a big fat dose of ecstasy and their fucking relationship will mm -hmm. fucking, they'll do 10 years in fucking four hours. Mm -hmm. But um, my, my, a relationship with my wife and then i have this group of friends and i've been like looking at the trust in both of these um two situations and the more trust i and i've been with my wife for a long time but the more it, i started looking through everything that every issue we might have throughout the day like she didn't it's nothing serious but just like she might not like some way i spoke to the kids or something mm -hmm. I try to look at through it through a trust lens just to see what that would look like trust paradigm. And then this other group of friends I have, our relationships are growing so fast right now between us. And I just realized we got a huge healthy dose of trust in our group. It's growing. And so then the relationship is speeding up. Yep. I, I think it's such an important point. And I think one of the hardest things for us to do now, right. Is to be able to let, down our walls and mm -hmm. the because you have to be vulnerable to a certain extent to start to mm -hmm. establish trust right and a lot of us are not good at being vulnerable and a lot of that stems from a lack of self-understanding right or confidence in our own self-concept i think it's too high of expectations too on our, on our, on relationships mm. Tell me more. What do you mean? Your friend isn't fucking perfect. 
you, you, your friend isn't your friend isn't perfect. Like like your 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 friend like uh, you have a friend for ten years and then you 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 I don't know you find out that um they've been smoking your weed every time they come over to your house and you, and you just found out through your security camera and you're mad at them. It's like fuck you. Like they were your friend for ten years. Let that shit go. Yeah, um, Savannah, it's such an important yeah. point. I mean, our our lack of ability to agree to disagree or to have a face-to-face conversation with, you know, whether they're friends or not with anyone right? with a different viewpoint than ours or to be harmed and the lack of capacity to be able to forgive and grow yeah, um, is hugely impactful and, and a huge negative. I, I think you're 100% right. And it's one of the things that frustrates me now with how society is structured more than anything with you know, the the thought silos that we all live in and the inability to come together and have a discussion around a topic that we disagree on, but then still be humane to each other. And, you know, I can disagree with you completely and vehemently on a topic, but that doesn't mean that we can't necessarily be friends and I can't support you depending on what it is and what the scope is. Right. Um, but we all we all learn more by spending time with people who think differently than us. And like like in politics, it's a big win lose um, situation, right? So uh, they they parade these people in front of uh, you know Senate committees, and you got the the politician being like, "So can you define a woman for me?" And the person refuses to define what a woman is. And the reason why they don't want to define what a woman is is because they feel like they're gonna there's a gotcha moment, right? So instead of honest communication, they just don't want to lose. Or the abortion issue is another great one, right? It's like, hey, dude, you're over here claiming it's women's rights, and these people over here are claiming that it's killing babies. And like, why can't you both be right? And it just be just a really fucking tough decision. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I agree, me personally, I agree with everything the pro-lifers say, but I'm still pro-choice. Mm-hmm. But I don't know any fucking other pro-choicers who think that way. Like they, they're afraid to give any honest conversation because they know that that's a tough. If you do, you you might be giving up ground, right? Like I, I just want someone to say, "Hey, dude, it's only men have penises." But listen, we we need to show we, if these men want to be women, we need to accept them. Or like just there's a dishonesty in the discourse because people don't want to lose ground. Do you get what I'm saying? Like there's a, I, well, and, and it's, it's like, it, dude, it's like, uh, that part's the part that sucks for me. Like the, it, just it the dishonesty a, in the discourse. Yeah. It's a sign of strength, right? When you can have a discussion with somebody who disagrees with you, right. Mm-hmm. And still be, you know, a normal human and be cordial. Right. Because what happens is whenever we interact with somebody who disagrees with us, automatically we become defensive. Right. Because it's yeah, like we want to win, like we're interested in winning, not getting to the truth. It's threatening our worldview. Right. It's threatening the lens with which we interpret how things, you know, are 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 coming at us or how things exist in the world. But society is constructed in a way now to where we can live in a realm where it only reinforces our narrow worldview. And so it never gets challenged or exposed. And so you don't have the opportunity to actually grow, right, um, philosophically, you know, around the points, you know, how you think, why you think it. Like we should always be challenging ourselves about our deepest convictions and thoughts. And the best way to do that is by interacting with people who disagree with you. And if you're scared to do that, 
it, it means that you may need to take a deeper look at, you know, what the true underpinnings of, you know, your worldviews are, right? You shouldn't be scared of that. You should be excited about that because you're either going to be more affirmed or you're going to learn something. And right. either, either one of those should, should excite you. Right. Um, shifting gears here, what is loneliness? Mm. So, you know, when you look at the literature, right, it essentially breaks it down into social isolation and loneliness, right? Those are the two buckets. And social isolation is more objective, right? So that can be defined in different ways, essentially by your peer group, how many people you interact with a day, you know, do you leave the house, yada, 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 as opposed to loneliness, which is a, a more subjective experience, right? And so that is, is based more on asking someone, you know, do you feel lonely? And the interesting thing is, is that the literature tends to show that the trends are that that subjective sense of loneliness is more impactful from a health outcome standpoint than objective social isolation. Okay. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So there's two kinds. God, is that my, is that my computer that keeps ringing like that? Yeah. I don't think it's me. I wonder how I turned that off. How come I never noticed that before? <laughs> if you go, you can go I'm to not, do not disturb um, under there. It should, should take, but I think it's on my computer. Yeah, if you go up to uh, settings and go to uh, notifications and just flip on do not disturb. Message settings. Uh, mm, thank you for the tutorial here. Uh, keep message. Uh, no, uh, iMessage. Uh, sign out. No, don't. Want no, not that. not iMessage. Go under settings, notifications, and then at the top there should just be a do not disturb button. Oh, great. Close, I lost closes I... closes everything. Great. I can't see you anymore. Oh, that's what I can do. Why don't I just close iMessage for now? No, no one can, um, no one can, yeah, there, now you can't text me at all. All right. Thank you for your help. I, I went a little more nuclear. Ob objective isolation is, um, I I'm in, I'm in the, uh, I'm in the, I'm in locked in a jail cell. Subjective isolation is, so is there no definition for subjective, uh, or subjective, subjective, subjective loneliness? Subjective loneliness. Well, no, it's, it's, it's rated by the person who's experiencing it. So that the, but the what is the mechanism? Is, like, I can't ever remember feeling lonely ever in my good. life. That's yeah. Good. But, but what, so I don't know what I, what would that, what would that look like? Like, so you, if you're, you have a you thought can, that you can't process yourself. So you need, like, what's the, no, the, the, the concept is that you theoretically could have a, you could not be socially isolated, mm -hmm. right? So you may be interacting with people, you know, you may or may not, you know, have a friend group, but you do not feel connection. Right. You are not part of a tribe. You do not have a sense of being connected to a community. So you can be surrounded oh. by people, but still be subjectively lonely. So the piece that I'm now focusing on, that I think, helped me understand is if you don't feel like you're part of a community, because it's funny, I was getting all big, high and mighty, like, I don't need that. But you're right. I always feel like I'm part of a community. I'm a crazy, like, as much as I like being alone, I'm a, I feel always I guess I wonder, I used to have this fear that, um, about my parents dying. Mm. And then once I had kids, that fear subsided greatly. I wonder mm. if that's what that is. I wonder if that was that fear of being alone because I was so connected to them. And now that yeah. I have kids, it's like, okay, I have some, it's kind of a, it's kind of gross, but, um, 
but now I have them to attach onto. You got your tribe. Yeah, I, think I got my the, tribe. Yeah. The, uh, so it, that's it, somewhere in there is the, the not wanting to be alone. Probably now that you mention it. It is, um, I think one of the most important aspects of the affiliate, right? Because you are as part of the process, you have the opportunity to become part of a tribe or a community that is moving in the same direction, right? And when you're talking about establishing, you know, healthy habits or changing dysfunctional ones, leveraging the power of community who's moving in one direction and how difficult it makes it to swim upstream in the other direction is extremely powerful. Yeah, I see it. That's, I, 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 it's, it's, it's interesting. I wonder, um, yeah, I, I wonder how, I'm trying to think of all the different affiliates that I've been, and it really is like that. And, the, and what do you think about this? I wonder what it's like for people who come in new to it. Like I hear stories about people who come in new to it and, and, um, and the people there are, are, are too clicky. Like they're not, they're not welcoming, you know? I mean, the majority of affiliates I think are welcoming. Yeah. I mean, my, my experience, at least in the affiliates that I've been in, and I've certainly heard horror stories. I mean, it goes back to what we talked about. There's good affiliates yeah. and there's dysfunctional ones, but yeah. in the ones that I have been exposed to, the, vast majority of the time when there's somebody new, they get a disproportionate amount of the encouragement and attention, right? To bring yeah, them yeah. into the tribe. Like I was just reading, I think, you know, they posted something across with the other day with somebody asking, I'm new to the group. Like I can't do shit, but everybody's standing around cheering me on, right? As I'm pushing through, like, why are they doing this? Why are they being so nice to me? And I, I think that it's because we've all been there. We all had our first time, our first week, our first month walking into affiliate, we understand how intimidating that can be. And it lifts everybody up to build that community so that you're all moving in the same direction, right? And having clicks and, and dysfunction within your affiliate, um, that starts to leverage subjective isolation, right? I mean, you're separating people and that undermines one of the most powerful influences of the affiliate model, right? So I think a lot of us do that subconsciously, um, but there's a lot of physiologic benefits that come by bringing everyone into the tribe so you're moving in the same direction. How did you find CrossFit? Or what's your origin story? Dumb, dumb luck, man. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I it's probably the same for a lot of people. I was going to the gym three, four times a week doing the same shit for six, seven years and wasn't making progress. and. You know, I, I'm fascinated by challenge and learning. One of the reasons I went into medicine is because I knew I was going to be a lifelong learner, right? The journey is never done, right? I get to constantly read and consume new knowledge and new information. Cross it the same way. Like, you know, been doing this shit for however long I've been doing it. There is always something for me to work on and learn, right? And get better at. Um, and so that concept of being a lifelong learner and having continuous challenge and the journey never ending uh, is extremely attractive to me. But specifically what happened? Like, did someone tell you about it? I don't, I don't, I don't remember, dude. I, I really don't. I don't remember if I saw did you walk into an affiliate or did you learn it yourself yeah. from the website? You learned walking no, into no. An affiliate. just walked in cold. Yeah. Did a, did an onboarding and was like, wow, this is crazy. I've never seen anything like this before. 
Um, but I, it was the, you know, the instant hook, like it is for everybody. You go once and it was like, this is, this is it. Um, was it out of character for you to do that? Like to, to walk into an affiliate? To be like, no, hey, it, it's, gonna... it's interesting. I think one thing that I really tried to get better at is to be comfortable looking stupid. Mm. Um, and as a physician, that's not an easy thing to do. And so I think where it would have been out of character for me is I walked in there and I didn't know how to do jack shit. Mm. Um, and so it's really, that's being vulnerable, right? right. So it, it was very hard when in my life I had built it to be in situations where I was generally the authority mm. to come in and be at the bottom of the, the food chain and be like, I don't know anything, teach me. Um, that was not an easy thing, right? I have to, to process that, but you know, talk about reaping the benefits, right? It changed my life. I think I, I'm paraphrasing, but I think I heard Dave explain that. I don't remember if it was on my podcast or not, but Dave Castro basically said that the root of a lot of the haters is their, um, their way, they're hiding their discomfort when they imagine themselves doing CrossFit because of how vulnerable you have to feel. He said mm -hmm. a lot of people don't talk about it, but there's a vulnerability to going as hard as you can and letting that in your, having your number being written on the board, you know, mm -hmm. or, or, or somewhere, you know, using your, your 30 year old man who's been playing sports his whole life. And there's a 55 year old woman using the same weight as you and beating. And he's like, <laughs> and these types of things, and you don't even know what the movements are. And, and you can't, you can't do the, um, the motor recruitment patterns required to do a clean, you're still doing a reverse curl. And so those are the things that make there's that huge vulnerability piece that uh that's not talked about. But I but but I guess you're right. And and that's where the kind of the hate comes from. It's not like a true hate for it, but it's like it's a yeah. defensive mechanism, right? I mean, uh, yeah, and honestly, man, with with most haters, no matter what the topic is, yeah, you know, whether whether it's you know, racism or or anything else, it's a lack of exposure issue. Right. It is really easy to talk shit and be a hater. Yeah. If you have never spent time or encountered whatever it is you're hating. Right. If right. you walk into a well-run affiliate and you work out for a week, uh, it is hard for me to imagine that you would not change that view pretty quickly. And that, I mean, that's what we're tasked with, right? Is to let the people know who need it most right? Who are the folks with metabolic dysfunction, who are the folks with mental health challenges, who are the folks with, you know, substance use disorders, that this is one of the most effective things that you can do to set your health on the right path. Right. Um, and so that, that's a huge, um, component. I think of the work that needs to be done is to lower the barrier of entry for everybody to walk through that door just to get the experience. Cause as soon as that first class, they get that experience on a well-run affiliate with a community and people encouraging them and cheering them. It, it, you know, you're, you're playing with house money from there on. You're, you know, you're home free. I could, I can imagine my life without a phone mm. and I can imagine my life without a car <laughs> and I can imagine my life without cheesecake. I cannot imagine my life without CrossFit. Yeah, me either. I don't want I don't want to imagine it. I don't I don't I don't I can imagine my life without a microwave. I can like the thought that the stuff I talk to my mom about, the movement, what I do when I plan my day around the whole variety of movements I can choose like god, what if I just never found CrossFit and I was eating pasta and running? What if that was my way of dealing with my mental health and my exercise pieces? 
right? Because yeah. that's the only reason why I work out because for to feel better and you know, mentally and physically. Mm-hmm. Holy fuck, dude. Or what if I didn't have any exercise program in my life? What if I didn't have friends who were always like, hey, I'm trying this diet. I'm trying. I love that's I love all that. What if I didn't have that? That would fuck. I would. I would never. I would never wear shoes ever again. Over. Um. Uh. I would keep CrossFit over ever wearing shoes again. I, I, I'd never ride in a car again. Agree. It's like fucking I nuts. Agree. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's I, one I, of I don't. The... Even, I maybe even give up fire. <laughs> I don't know about uh, fire. Fire is pretty cool. It's one of the reasons why I love to hunt, right? Because yeah. when you elk hunt, right, the phone's gone. Like you're off the grid. Right? Yeah. But the reason why I can do that is because I CrossFit. And then right. the food I, you get I, from the elk, it fits the prescription also. 100%, brother. 100%. But that, that functional fitness that I do in the affiliate yeah. is so that I can reap the benefits from my life experiences outside yeah. of the box. But I could yeah. get rid of all the rest of it, right? But if I wasn't doing CrossFit, I couldn't go out and be the best version of myself in the mountains or you know, in, in front of students if we're you know doing education pieces or what have you, right? So all of it is connected. No, it's foundational, right? And that's why we brought our clinics to the affiliate because it is foundational for health. And, and there's 7 billion, 970 million people who don't even know about fucking CrossFit still. It's fucking well, we're, nuts. We're going to change that, man. Yeah. Um, uh, Blade Walker. I can't imagine going through my through a day thinking I'm not dope as hell. I know I can't imagine that either. I hope it goes to the end. My goal is to get as many people um, on the hype about themselves as possible. Yeah, dude. And hey, dude. And you know what? That's how I would describe you. You love yourself and you love other people. And, and I think people the the every time I'm, I've interacted with you, I feel better about myself. You're doing it, dude. Yeah, that's a good. You're you're a magician like that, dude. That's awesome. Uh, Savon, no man bun, no septum ring. I have a man bun. It's here. Oh, oh, you mean uh, uh, he doesn't have a Dr. Tom doesn't have a man bun. He he'll grow a man bun. He's just I had, two I had a, to No, I had a man bun phase. I moved through that phase. Yeah. All right. What happens next? You just cut it off. I dude, I honestly, it's a this is a uh, a strategic decision. Like I don't have to own a comb. I don't have to yeah. do anything with my hair. I just wake up and go. So it makes yeah. sense. I got I got these everywhere. <laughs> I got rubber bands everywhere. Those are those are called scrunchies, man. Those are scrunchies, all right. <laughs> no, no, mine are masculine. Mine are rubber bands. Sure they are. Yeah. I free <laughs> name. Um uh tell me about the um the health conference. Why um did they invite you? Are you excited about it? And what will be the nature of your uh, talk? Do you like doing that? Do you like public speaking? Are you freaking out? Uh, no, no. I mean, I've been done it for a long time now. I mean, it's interesting, right? Because I'm a card-carrying introvert for sure. Uh, but, you know, as we alluded to before, when you find the thing in life that you're most passionate about, I think part of that is that you feel driven to spread the good word, right? Um, and so, you know, whatever consternation or fears you would have about speaking in front of people, like that takes a second seat to doing what needs to be done. Uh, you know, to answer your question, I think a lot of what we'll be talking about is is a lot of the stuff that we talked about today. Uh, and, you know, my goal is to present 
the new vision of healthcare, right? As we move forward and how CrossFit and the affiliate model is the prescription. And as a healthcare system, we can build supportive structures within that model to provide the vast majority of what people need to form the best versions of themselves. And so we'll be talking a lot about the science uh, around the things that we talked about today in more detail with the goal of really helping coaches, affiliate owners, anyone interested in understanding the role that fitness and community plays in health optimization so that they can be true advocates uh, moving forward. Uh, and there's a lot of other stuff that you know we'll say for the conference that I'm extremely excited about. Um, so I hope as many people as possible can come because there's gonna be a number of, of calls to actions for people in the health space coming from me. Um, uh, tell me, um, the people you'll be speaking to will, are, will pretty much already be bought in. So, right. You, you have a crowd, you have a crowd that's, uh, that's already, um, um, they're, they're, they already want to be on, they all, they already want to move, right. Move regularly, eat right. And recover. Right. So you'll, you, you basically be going into, I guess, more detail for that, for them or re-emphasizing for them. I mean, you're, you're preaching to the choir. Everyone who comes there is going to be preaching to the choir, right? No one's showing up at the health conference and be like, you guys got it all wrong. Go back to curls and, uh, and thigh master. I think a lot of them may know that what they do is very effective, but I think yeah. a lot of them may not be aware of how much scientific evidence there is as to why it's important. Mm -hmm. And this will hopefully allow them to be that much more effective at connecting with individuals within their affiliate around those whiteboard moments and everything else when they can drop a tidbit around how what they are doing today is directly connected to this thing that seems like it's a totally separate issue and how this fitness component really can improve that aspect where you're not connecting those dots. Um, so basically it's, it's, I see this question a lot. I see, Hey, I want someone to do CrossFit, my mom or my dad, but they don't, they, I, what article can I give them to show them or, or read them? So this probably this conference, it sounds like is a, tool for people to listen to speakers who will help arm people to make you more convincing in what you already know, giving you data points so that you can talk to other people who, who aren't willing to just try it. I, I am right? so excited about this lineup of speakers, man. I yeah. mean, it is a, it is a world-class lineup of folks who really know their stuff, who have done the research themselves in a lot of the instances, right? Whether, you know, Tommy Wood um, has published extensively, right, on the importance of community. Um, you know, Rhonda Patrick um, has published extensively. Chris Palmer has written books, right, about the importance of metabolic health and the role that that plays uh, in mental health and wellness. Uh, and CrossFit addresses all of these things, right? It is it is the it is the medical intervention of need to address the biggest health impacts, uh, negative impacts on our society today. And what's crazy too, yeah, it, what's crazy, yeah, there's patients everywhere, right? It's, there's never been, there's never been more patients oh, man. In, no. in need 
Talk um, about talk about job um, security, man. It's a sad yeah, state um, of affairs. On planet Earth. Wow, so many. Got Nicole Carroll in the lineup now. Yeah, you're with the, you're with a good group of people. Congratulations. No, it's really exciting, man. Hey, you you also got a master's in bioethics. That's correct. What what is that bioethics? So you know, as we talked about before, you know, I love learning and reading, uh, and you know, my medical school had a dual degree program where I could do um, uh, a master's at the same time as my medical degree. And so it was a really nice balance uh, and juxtaposition to the hardcore science that we were doing all day to then be able to explore philosophically, right? The reasons um, and drives and discussions around patient choice uh, and how we make decisions uh, around medical care uh, intervention, how you think about right and wrong. Um, it, you know, that exploration uh, allowed me to get through the medical school process and I think stay sane. Um, during my, my, my very strong viewpoint is that the uh, reaction to um, I don't know how to say it any other way. My, my reaction to COVID-19, the reaction, societal reaction to COVID-19 did significantly more damage mm. than COVID-19. Significantly, significant. It, it's like there's a pothole and you could have hit it and got a flat tire and instead you swerved off the road and fell off a cliff. Like that's what mm-hmm. I think happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, is that an ethics issue? So I think what you can say mm-hmm as far as how things have have played out. And Mm -hmm. I don't think we'll understand the full ramification of how we've been impacted as a society and, and most strongly, right. The kids who were at early developmental stages of, you know, social interaction, um, you know, pre-K kindergarten, early grades who in California, my, my kids didn't go to school for two years. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the impact of that, I think, will play out over time. Uh, you know, the medical system was trying to make the best decisions that it could at the time with the information that it had. The problem was, once we had an understanding of what we were truly dealing with, they were not nearly quick enough to change what was happening. And there was a continuation of policies that probably did more harm than good. Uh, you know, I totally agree with you. What about this um, kind of misunderstanding that um, doctors should be the ones making the decisions? So, for example, um, Greg has this talk where, hey, don't ever let the lawyers make the decisions, mm-hmm. right? Because they're like, or because they're constantly looking for like, okay, you bet. Like, if, if it was up to law, if it was up to lawyers, um, there would be no weights in any CrossFit gym. They're too dangerous. They're a liability. They could fall on your toe and you'd be sued. Right? I mean, right? And, and that yeah. and that is and that is the way it is. That's their job. Or when my wife, when we were going down the path of having our first child, the um, my wife's uh, OGBYN is that what it's called? OBGYN. Yep. She said something. Um, she said, Hey, I, I want you to know my job is to look for things that could go wrong. Mm-hmm. That's my job. Mm-hmm. And so, what do you, 
we and, and there was this enormous trust put in physicians. There's this enormous trust societally put in physicians. Mm-hmm. And um, especially as we get in, into a sicker and sicker society, right? There's this like huge lean, like people just want to go there and lean on them and be told what what to do. Mm-hmm. I think part of the problem is is that we use the doctors to tell us what to do as opposed to them give us information. Like the scientists shouldn't have been making the – let's say the scientists lump them up with the docs too they shouldn't have been making the decisions they should have been giving us the data and then with that data we use our own discernment to find out what we wanted to do what 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 level of risk we were willing to take so here's here's how i describe it Savon. i think you summarized it well and this is what i tell patients all the time when they they'll say what should i do and i say my job right, is to be the purveyor of information, Mm -hmm. right? And then through the process of shared decision-making, right, which every physician should do, right? We should not be, the paternalistic model, right, is is no more, and it should be no more for many reasons, right? But it's important that everyone finds a physician who they can sit down and talk with, have an honest, discussion of what the data truly is and then you come up with the best plan of action and i may not agree with that plan right but it's not my job to convince you to do exactly what i want you to do right Right. it's my job for you to be an informed decision maker for your own health right Um, i think that's inherent within every physician patient interaction it should be and if you're a patient and you're going to see a physician and you ask a question or you voice an opinion and they make you feel ashamed or they belittle you or they snicker under their breath, yeah. you, need to, you need to find somebody else. Because that, that is not the relationship or the type of interaction that any of us should have to have with our healthcare team. It's it's funny you say that. I I went to uh uh for, for a checkup at Kaiser. I don't know if this is last week or five years ago now, but uh, let's say it's a couple of years ago. I can't remember. And I said to the guy, he was a cool guy. I liked him. You know what I mean? Like he was he was cool cool like you know. Well, first of all, he walks in the room and and I and I introduce myself and shake his hand. And so like you know, in the twenty times I've been to the doctor with my kids or my wife or myself in the last five years, no, not a single doctor has ever introduced themselves to me. They're like they just say hello and they start going. So mm-hmm. I always say hi, I'm Sevon, and I shake their hand. It's like they're shocked, Good. right? It, it's crazy, hundred <laughs> percent. There's never been one that's like like I didn't catch off guard. But anyway, so then so then you're in there with them and it's a, this big handsome man who's got like you know the fupa. He's 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 probably he's he's probably used to be an athlete, but now he's got like, just like 30 pounds, right. in his like uh, between his belly button, and his cock and balls. And at the, at the end of whatever I, we were doing there, um, he said, I said, Hey, what do you think about, um, fasting? And he goes, it's, it's nonsense. Don't worry about that stuff. And I said, mm. Oh, okay. And, mm. um, and then I go, what, what do you think about autophagy? And he goes, I don't know what that is. I was fucking shocked, right? Because I'm not a fucking, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. I mean, yeah. it took me two years to be able to pronounce that word. I was like, always like auto photography. Like it took me forever to figure out how to say autophagy. I'm like, oh, really? You don't know what that is? He goes, no. I'm like, oh, you should look into it. It's pretty cool shit. And he's like, hey, man, stop with that nonsense. Listen, 
um, I'm going to give you a printout. If you want to be healthy, follow these rules. And the t- fucking top thing on the rule is always cook with canola oil. Oh, God. This is from Kaiser, dude. Oh, yeah, I believe it. And then another thing he told me is like, he's like, hey, you're behind on your um your your vaccine schedule. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, nah, I'm good. And he goes, they're free. And part and I like the guy, but part of me is like, he I think he's just seriously, Tom, he's so used to dealing. Because when I was in the waiting room, there were like 20 people in there and no one looked like me. Mm-hmm. They don't even they're, they're like it was like I was a chimp and they were gorillas or I was a gorilla and they were chimps. I know we're in the same. I know we're primates like I was a, a, a python and they were a king snake. You know what I mean? I was not them. It was crazy. You know, they're just a total. They they have a different manifestation. They're like, I was a robin and they were a blue jay. I mean, we I was not. I know I'm in the same family as them, but I'm not them. So I was like giving the doctor some leeway. Like, well, he's just used to dealing with robins. I mean, just full fucking. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. So uh, you you raised a very very important additional red flag. Yeah. When you're working with physicians, that everyone should be aware of. Yeah. If you ask a question mm-hmm. like that and they scoff, yeah, he scoffed and have, and have an absolutist answer, mm-hmm. back out of the room, not slowly, relatively quickly. Later, dude. Because, because <laughs> the answer, the answer should always be for the vast majority of these things, especially, I mean, especially when it comes to nutrition strategies. Yeah. The next thing that comes out of that person's mouth should be, well, why? Why are oh. you interested in fasting? Right. Why do you think that that's a good strategy for you? Yeah. Because none of this stuff is binary, right? And my job is then to talk about, okay, these are the levers that you're pulling that are going to be improved, right? By using time-restricted feeding or intermittent fasting or longer fasting periods. And this is what you're going to be giving up. Now, put that through the lens of what's important for us in front of you right now, right? And if you're looking at, you know, a 40-something-year-old physician who's got probably a decent amount of lean body mass underneath all of that adipose, but has 30 pounds of subcutaneous adipose and probably a pound or two of visceral adipose, which is probably the most deadly thing for him. You know, a time-restricted feeding protocol or potentially some uh, fasting strategies could be extremely effective for him. Now, for somebody else, right, who's got low bone mineral density and poor lean body mass and, you know, wants to leverage autophagy, um, but is, you know, extremely devoid of skeletal muscle and metabolically active tissue, like we can have that discussion about how this potentially may be beneficial. But it's also my job to highlight, like, this probably isn't the number one priority for us right now. And it's not that I'm going to tell you not to do it. But I want to make sure that you're making an informed decision. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, what do you think about it, 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 autophagy? <laughs> well, what about it? <laughs> what, what do you do? You think it's you think it's a it's, it, it, is that a a valid for people who don't know? Uh, and uh, the doctor here will correct me if I'm wrong. It's basically when you're not eating and your body's searching for fuel, it starts eating sick. I guess, uh, cells in your body that are, it starts with the sickest cells in your body. So a, a real simple explanation would be like, you're not eating, you're, you're basically starving yourself. And so if you have skin tags, your body would start cons- consuming the skin tags. And I'll tell you like something I noticed the other day, I had a, uh, oh, that's why I went to the doctor. 
I had a growth on my I had a growth on my thigh somewhere. Okay. Uh, like, and I and I went in and I took a bunch of pictures of it, and he's like, "Hey, come on in, let me look at it." And he said it was a mole. Okay. Well, when I started, so it must have been over three years ago. So I started um, not eating every Sunday. Uh, Saturday night, I stopped eating and then didn't start eating again until Monday. I would only drink black coffee. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I noticed that mole's gone. That fucking mole, that thing he said was a mole is gone. So we can also talk about. And so I'm guessing that was a ta- I'm get- Yeah, correlation versus causation. But but so do you think I, I know that I'm, that's just a, um, you know, study of one. But what do you think? Do you believe in autophagy? Like, does the evidence convince you that the body, like, if you starve yourself, your body will start eating like cancer no. cells or bad cells and shit? Sure. No, it's not. Yeah. It's not a. It's not a belief thing, right? You don't have to believe in science. Science is science, right? So autophagy is a real thing, right? The clearance of senescent or zombie cells, right? And if we can leverage that in a meaningful way, that can be a very powerful health intervention. I think where the jury is out is understanding what duration of fasting is required to leverage meaningful Ah. degrees of autophagy. Like, Mm. so a lot of people think that, you know, oh, I'm doing an 816 feeding window, you know, so some form of time restricted feeding, you know, they're leveraging autophagy. It's like, well, maybe. Um, And what that translates into from a longevity standpoint, you know, I think is still a, a debatable question as well. So wholeheartedly, like autophagy is a real thing, right? Clearance of senescent cells is very powerful, right? But in the human model, understanding what the duration is, how frequently you need to do it to have it actually translate into meaningful health outcomes in health span and lifespan, while at the same time, not undermining lean body mass or muscle mass because you're decreasing caloric intake significantly if that's a primary issue for you, right? Those are all things to consider. Right. And, you know, in a lot of these instances, we don't have all of the information. Right. So it's it's, an, you know, you're making the best decisions with the data that we have. Right. Uh, and, and I like the way you said that earlier, too. I, I had never even thought about that before. But if you have if you're afraid, because, I mean, honestly, I don't hang around anyone who's frail. I'm the most frail person I know. Everyone's a fucking brick shithouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I didn't, hadn't thought about that before. Well, I guess, I guess, I guess in my mom's situation, my mom went to a, a fasting center. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. she's a CrossFitter, but she's a tiny woman. She's five feet tall, 100 pounds. Yep. And she went to a fasting center and they were like, after, she, you know, she went there to fast for like five days. And I think after like 15 minutes, they're like, sorry. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was longer than 15 minutes. But they're like, ma'am, you're tiny. You know what I mean? Like yeah. my mom can't even give blood, right? You got to be 110 pounds to donate blood. Yeah. So I, it's interesting. I hadn't, I hadn't really thought about that, but you're right. You can't just well, like, that, that's the thing with all of these things, right? It's mm-hmm. a, it, we are past the point to where we have to rely on epidemiologic evidence. That's good for 60% of the people. Like you should be making a connection with a healthcare provider, whomever they are. And you should be having a discussion about the best evidence we have to make an informed decision about what's best for you. Mm-hmm. Because I go through, you know, every day, you know, building health and performance plans for all of my patients and the prescriptions are very different, right? And that's because each of us is very different and we're at a different place in our health journey, right? And we have different priorities. Um, and so, you know, a cookie cutter approach, you know, one size fits all, um, you know, aside from, you know, not being a dumbass and consuming highly processed and refined foods and way too much added sugar, you know, all of us can benefit from that for the most part, right? Right. Um, but once we get past those stages into, you know, these 
you know, religious dogmatic discussions about, you know, nutrition strategies and, you know, because people will self-identify with these. I mean, talk about putting up barriers and living in a silo. Um, you know, we, we all need to recognize that, you know, the strategy that's best for me may not be what's best for you. And just because it works for me doesn't mean that it's going to work for you. Right. Um, and so I think that, you know, anybody who's working with individuals needs to be very comfortable with all of these potential types of interventions and be able to sit down with you and discuss the pros and cons and figure out, you know, help you come to the decision of what's going to be the best intervention plan for you. And that can change over time, right? That may be initially in your journey, if you have a significant amount of metabolic dysfunction, that time-restricted feeding and fasting is hugely impactful, right? Once we move through that first stage and you've corrected that metabolic dysfunction, you brought down your fasting insulin number and your A1C and your fasting glucose, and you've decreased your visceral fat load, which hopefully you're monitoring, it may be then that you can now transition into you know, building more lean body mass, right? Which may involve being in a caloric surplus, but those better be the right kind of calories, right? So Plus bodybuilding all... is fun. Plus bodybuilding is fun. <laughs> it is. It is, right? man. I, who, who, I, I've been doing these a lot again lately for the last We're like just, six months. And, uh, tries, I, and I love I, and nothing feels better to me in the morning than my tries feeling being sore. Mm, mm-hmm. Just like that I, sense of accomplishment. Bodybuilding is great. Dude, I love this accessory work. It's, yeah. uh, I mean, that's I what we call it. <laughs> I like yeah, it. Man. It's accessory, baby. We've changed. I, I'm not bodybuilding. I'm doing accessory work. Successory. Successory work. Yeah. Um, um, so something's going to happen from you being on this podcast. There's going to be, pe- there's people out there who want crossfitting doctors. Mm-hmm. How do people find, well, f- first of all, are you taking on more clients and how can people find crossfitting doctors? Do I have to move to Nashville and, um, join proof? No, no, um, you do not. You do, that is not a requirement. Um, you know, we, it's awesome to work with people who are local in the community and can immerse themselves in the affiliates, whether it's in Northeast Ohio or here in Nashville, uh, but no, we work with folks all over the country in a perfect world. I love to have them come and spend a couple of days with us, right? So you get to come in, we meet, we spend time together. We can do all your diagnostic testing. We do your blood work. We do your you know, resting and active metabolic rate analysis. We do your body scan. Um, you can have a workout, you know, work out with some of the fittest people on the planet um, you know, move through a recovery protocol if you want to, and then you can, you know, go back to Massachusetts and we can work remotely for a number of months before we need to see each other again. Um, and so there's a, there's a lot of ways to do it. And we do work with folks completely remotely and we can source a lot of these diagnostic testing modalities in their communities. Um, so if they can't get to us, if that's prohibitive, um, we can still get the information that we need. Um, to get a true understanding of your your core foundational health pillars, so that we can build an informed health strategy. Is there is there a place where is there a bucket someone can open up and be like, oh, that's where you are, and it's just full of CrossFitting doctors? Uh, so if you come to the conference, yeah, uh, we will be talking about that. Um, okay. But one of the things that we're most excited about, and I'm very hesitant to even mention it because you know one thing that I've learned. Uh, about working with CrossFit over the years is I never crossed count my CrossFit eggs before they're hatched. Right. Um, and so I will probably save that, but it's something that a lot of people have been working on for a very long time. Okay. Uh, and I'm really excited and hopeful that we'll be able to talk about it in more detail at the conference. But I can say that I have a lot of colleagues in the space um, who are CrossFitting physicians. 
um, who would love to work with individuals. Um, and I'm happy to connect people. And if they want to work with me, I'd love to, to build a relationship with folks. Um, they can find us at, at McCoy-medical.com um, and get in touch with us there. Tell me what it is. What is it? Uh, McCoy-medical.com. And I'm on IG too, at Vital Human Doc. So we can direct people to the best way to get in, get in touch with us. And if it's not me, you know, we can work to find somebody who you can work with. Uh, let me just, is that uh, McCoy-medical. Is that, is that website live? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let me see if I can pop this. It up. might come up as uh, to be human as well as the parent if you see that on there. Okay. Yep. Yep. It did. Okay. You can pull that up. And so there's a reach out and contact us there. People can schedule a, a quick discussion um, and talk with my co-founder and we can talk about options and what things look like. I like how you cut her, your face off, but kept her face. That's solid. <laughs> look at, look at because she's behind you. Your head is like three times the size of hers. That's awesome too. I like, man, that. you know, I got more important things to do than worry about the website, bro. Hey, I'm telling you, it's good. It's good. I like it. So yeah, if you just click on that, start a conversation, um, that's that's the fastest way to get in touch with us underneath there. That's awesome. Uh, uh, let, let me finish with this. Are are we? Um, uh, uh, what's different about us? What's different about working with um, CrossFitters than working with uh, the other uh, primates? Oh man, that's such a great question. Um, we need another couple of hours to talk about that. Um, okay, we'll have you, you know, on I, again. Can you give me a sonata like a? Yeah, I mean, elevator. I would say one of one of the biggest things that I've realized in, you know, working in this space and with, you know, elite athletes and just affiliate members across the country is that how you look does not necessarily translate into health. Um, and so it is important um, for all of us at some point, at least to do some basic blood work to make sure that we're not leaving money on the table as far as our health is concerned. Because um, certainly encountered, you can have pretty significant metabolic dysfunction and other things, and not look outwardly obese. Um, and so that that's a part of it. I think another piece of it is is that CrossFitters, by and large, are extremely driven, and we spend a lot of time in very high intensity and just shoving on the sympathetic side um, of our nervous system. Uh, and working with folks to help cultivate recovery strategies. And that looks different for everybody. Um, but understanding that through establishing balance, you can be more effective and achieve more goals. Um, if you aren't burning the candle at both ends from an intensity standpoint, um, and, and driving your nervous system into the ground, uh, you can be very effective. So I think probably one of the biggest things that CrossFitters tend to be very, very driven. Um, and so working within that, that mindset and paradigm to help people understand all the influences that impact overall health and performance um, is one of the most interesting challenges. Um, let me uh, ask you, since we started with some tough questions, let me finish with the really tough one. Very sensitive, very sensitive <laughs> issue here. <laughs> You're saying that you cannot be obese and still not have the greatest health markers. Oh, you, you never heard of being skinny fat? Yes. So let me ask you this. Here comes the question. Can you be obese and be healthy? Uh, so, 
you can be obese and not have significant metabolic dysfunction, right? You can. Well, I mean, keep in mind that technically I'm overweight by BMI. So this is a much longer discussion, right? And I got single digit. You know what I'm talking fat. about? I'm talking about the person in the cart, the, the 3,000 people in carts at Disneyland. Are any of those people healthy? I'm talking about the good little lady I, who's 200 pounds overweight on the cover of fucking Vogue magazine. And she's yeah. telling people that she's fine. And like, I'm so, like, and I'm like, bitch, you're on fucking medications. I know you are. Like, you have to be. It is important to understand that just how outward appearance does not mean that you are metabolically unfit. It also does not mean that you're metabolically fit as well. So you can have a certain amount of subcutaneous fat, right? That's within appropriate parameters and still have very low visceral fat and be potentially metabolically healthy. Now, two, three, what's visceral pounds, fat? It's not on your organ. It's not on your organs. No, it is on your organs, right? So visceral oh. fat is intraperitoneal. It's the fat that's inside your abdominal cavity that sits on your liver and your heart and your kidneys and your organs that is disproportionately inflammatory, right? Yeah. Because of location. And that's not what you want. You don't want that kind. No, sir. And okay. this, this comes back to the literature, right? Where there's a bit of an obesity paradox, right? Where there is data that shows that you can have some degree of subcutaneous fat but in regards to health outcomes um it there are there's some research that actually shows that it's protective to certain degrees now a lot of that likely is related to incorporating people who may be near end of life right and are cachectic and malnourished right and oh, so they're oh. thin and so that so there's you really have to look at the data sets to understand where that's coming from Right. But like certain, at 80, my mom, my mom, I like to see my mom thicker than skinnier. The point that I would make is that if you see a person walking into their, your affiliate, just because yeah. they're skinny, don't think that they're metabolically healthy. Okay. Um, let me, uh, let me show you this picture. You're going to hate this. Sorry. <laughs> no one's even watching. No one's even watching now, Tom. No one's even watching. Just me and you in the room. Just a couple. We're five beers deep. This is this is healthy. Like I like I, I know that's not healthy. I know I know that her just based on this, what I know about the way the body moves, I know there's positions that the body needs to probably get in that if you're that heavy, you can't get into them. Like you, you you're not you you're, you it's, I, I just know that's that's not healthy. That's not um for the things that we're made to do here on planet Earth, like maybe catch food, hunt food, and mate. I don't think that that's healthy. I don't think that she I don't think that that body's even healthy to carry a baby in. Do you, do healthier you have any... than, it's healthier than sitting on the couch. I mean, at least oh, she's yeah, yeah. Uh, don't, yes. standing up. Dude, don't get me wrong. Yes. But <laughs> I like I, I I love her pose. I her her emotional status is great. Her skin is beautiful. Um, the the spread of fat over her body, I like even that, right? The 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 way it's everywhere. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 equally dispersed. You know what I mean? I'm just saying that that like that is not healthy. She's not even, I don't think she's even at the 50 yard line of what she's probably capable of as a human being carrying around all that extra weight. Mm -hmm. I think it affects her thoughts probably. And for sure, her ability to go up and down. Let me just say, I'll be, let me ask you this, but okay. Do you, could that body be healthy? So that's not how I would define health. Now, what I okay. would say is that yeah. it would be, it would be very hard to have that much excess adipose and have yeah. optimized 
lipids, fasting insulin, visceral fat, et cetera, right? So in all likelihood, there are significant health markers there that need to be improved, but that's also me, you know, I'm not one to make past judgment or make factual statements when I don't have the information, Right. right? So my job as a healthcare provider, when I see that person walk into my clinic, is to make a meaningful connection and get data and find ways to connect with them so that they can improve the same way it is for all of us. Right. It's like you both you and I have things that we can work on and continue to optimize and improve. And me, you know, casting, you know, negative connotations to to body type or anything else is not going to help me connect and develop a relationship with that person. I want to, I want to say this. I'm I'm not, there's nothing. Um, I, I don't want to say anything negative about her body type. Like I'm, I'm, uh, uh, 30 years before, 30 years ago in a, a couple cocktails and me and her fuck some good music. You're getting with that. But my point is this, it says on there, this is healthy. Let me, let me go here. And I think that that's doing an enormous disservice to mm-hmm. uh, society. I think yeah. she has beautiful skin. I like her smile. Uh, I, 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 I see her as fucking a beautiful woman form. I'm not a big fan of the tattoos, all the fucking writing on her. But, um, uh, I, I just I just can't I think I think that there is a shape for ninety nine percent of us to infinity that we can fit in and be like, hey dude, you got that that's not good. You're you and, and I'll even define health. You're gonna live a shorter life. You're you're not two things. You're gonna live a shorter life than what you probably could have. So I'm making the presupposition you want to live long. And mm-hmm. and um and and two, you're not operating optimally. Like like you could even be happier with a different, with a different, uh, diet. Yeah. But, but, on, I, but, but her exercise regimen might be perfect. Fuck. What do I know? But yeah, that thing's you know. consuming too many calories. Yeah. I mean, objectively speaking, right. Yeah. Based on that image, right. Her body composition, you know, she's probably class two or class three obesity. And there are significant negative health outcomes associated with that diagnosis. Right? Yeah. And, and and we should and, and it should be an open discussion. Like, uh, do, do I have an issue with them promoting that as healthy? I don't like well, that, dude. If any of us are getting our health advice from Cosmo, and, and unfortunately, right, a lot enough. of people are. Like, we we got and this is the same thing with news media, news bites, right? Looking at yeah. relative risk and and putting that up and not talking about how relative is different than absolute, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you've had Emily on the show, right? She talks yep. a ton about that. Like yep. that, that is the type of education that we need to be providing to people so that we don't get caught up in this clickbait bullshit where people have their silo reaffirmed and don't expose themselves to, to other ways of thinking. And it's not just that. This is, this is science, right? Right. So. Dude, thanks for coming on. Um, uh, please stay in touch with me as you get your practice up and um, uh, your, 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 I mean, your practice is up and going, but as you get more and more uh, this, this situation, this new you know, 3.0 going at proven, please stay in touch with me. I'd love to have you on and, and hear about uh, what you're doing and, and maybe talk about some of the extremes uh, issues that um, uh, CrossFitters have is since we are, you know, we're trying to push the boundaries of what a healthy, capable human being can do and talk about that and have some fun conversations. I'd love to, no, to Savannah, I'd, I'd love that opportunity. And um, yeah, if, if anybody listening, you know, would want to work with us, we're, you know, we're, we're seeing patients, in Ohio now, and we're booking patients uh, for Nashville uh, to start seeing folks here uh, next month. The rigs are up, and I'm looking at them as we speak. So it's a, it's a really exciting time. 
Um, and uh, love to connect with uh, more of your listeners. Awesome, dude. All right. Uh, February 2nd, uh, go hear Dr. Tom McCoy speak at the CrossFit Health uh, Summit in Austin, Texas. Tickets still available. Thanks, brother. All right, man. Take care. Talk to you soon. <clears throat> Easy peasy. What a cool dude. Doctors never want to say crazy shit. I don't blame them. Adipose. Adipose. Uh, she has a, a large amount of adipose. Let me see. Adipose. What is adipose? There's so many words I didn't know. Adipose. A-D-I-P-O-S-E. It's a, a body tissue used for storage of pep fat. Adipose. Body tissue. Adipose tissue body fat. Anatomy and function. Cleveland Clinic. Adipose tissue, otherwise known as body fat. Is a connective tissue that extends throughout your body. I mean, as opposed to a non-connective tissue, like the one you pull out of a box and it just separates from the rest of them. I did make my bed. I didn't think that bed. That I'd made my bed's made. Just so you know, uh, that was uh, Avi slept in that bed last night. Harmful mirror lights. Get rid of those harmful mirror. What mirror lights? What are you talking about? I have a um. I have like a beauty light over here. I don't know why it's making me um so red. Look, like, I wonder if I turn this off. What do I look like? What do I? That's what I look like without the 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 beauty light. Oh, I guess I got a little whiter. I don't know why that light would make me redder. Hey, can you guys hear the dinging of my? My text messages while while the show's going. Am I 1500 shows in and that's the first time it's like gotten to me? I just turned it back on. Oh. Those disgusting things on the wall above the beds. Oh, those are lights. Dude, this hotel is dope on that. I'm telling you. No, I'm not consuming TRT. Shut the fuck up. I'm not even I'm not like if you saw me in person, I'm not red at all. I'm like I'm 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 brown. I'm like a light-skinned brother. I am a light-skinned brother. How about, speaking of light-skinned brothers, how about the fucking president of fucking Harvard saying she has no issues, no issues with chanting death to fucking Jews on campus? She wants to protect freedom of speech. Listen, there's a huge, big difference between protecting freedom of speech and, uh, I mean, can you imagine saying uh, people chanting uh, uh, blade uh, death to black people, all black people on campus somewhere? Like, you can't do that. And it's a fucking public school. It's a school. It's a school setting. There should be different rules at the school setting. You, you can't have porn in the library at the school. Slightly different rules. Slightly different rules at the school. And now she's trying to walk it back. Same with the, the, the lady at um, uh, Penn. Was it Penn? University of uh, Penn State? Oh, we we don't have an we don't have an issue with uh, people chanting death to the Jews. I can't wait for the live calling show. Oh, they did lose a hundred million. Hey, dude, those are really bad people. Just anytime you hear that, just throw black people in there. Just be like, anytime someone's like, "Are you okay with them saying death to Jews?" and they're like, "Well, it depends on the context. Uh, if there's actually no conduct behind it, what did you mean? No conduct behind it? You mean if they actually haven't started killing any Jews?" Is that what you're waiting for? That's what that bitch said. We're waiting for the conduct. 
The conduct is what we disapprove of, not the words. Oh. So you're waiting until they start killing some Jews. But anyway, just take that and just slip in other. I always slip in black people. I always slip in uh, Jeremy. Uh, um, I always think, uh, oh, we want death to Jeremy on all campuses. That's my uh, synonym for black dudes. It's like, what the fuck? You can't do that. I don't even know. Sevi, the Sevanistas are doing three-week bench cycle. Want to join us? No, I'm on the road, dude. My shoulders are fucking. I worked out for the first time in like two or three days yesterday. Want to know what I did? I did 20 cows on these in Greg's garage. I did 20 cows on the assault bike, five strict chest to bar pull ups. That's the only kind I ever do. Right, Blade? All pull ups should be strict and chest to bar. Uh, I did uh, 10, 10 push ups uh, with my hands kind of low, like a planche push up. 10 of those. And then uh, five uh, dumbbell squats with 45-pound dumbbells in the front rack position. And I did that for 10 rounds. Dude, you guys know I'm just eating meat, right? So, like, I'm seven or eight days of just eating meat. Last time I did this, I didn't pee out of my asshole. Now I'm just, like, it's just peeing out of my asshole every deuce. Only sharded once. But, um, yeah, I'm, like, eight days of just meat. Uh, there's two two, uh, two or three times I've cheated. I, I put a little bit of cream in my coffee uh, one morning, and then um, yesterday I went to lunch with Greg at this place in Arizona. It was the most disgusting place ever. It's just a hole-in-the-wall Mexican place, and um, uh, I couldn't eat anything there, so I just o- ordered this, like, bowl of uh, chopped carne. Carne, not carnal, it's carne. Dude, it might as well have been fucking dog I was eating. It was all these little pieces of meat, and I squirted a little bit of this red uh, cayenne pepper sauce on it because it was so fucking disgusting. I probably just ate a bucket of seed oil and dog. It was probably dog. I just kept thinking the whole time, am I eating someone's dog? Fuck. Crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. crazy how how do you say how do you get up in front of like uh uh, excuse me do you feel like it's threatening to the students on campus when you have people walking around campus chanting and holding a sign saying death to all jews well it depends on the context were they holding the signs here or here oh my goodness oh my goodness it's a fucking campus it's a school campus. It's a learning center. Can't you just make them go outside the campus? We're not we're not banning fucking Hustler magazine. We just don't want it in the elementary school. Can't you put the Hustler magazine at the 7-Eleven? Why does it have to be right in uh, in in the, in the library in the school? That's it. Hey, dude, I don't want to hear shit. I don't want to hear shit about, uh, look at this, look at this, look at this I saw the other day, too. This is fucking awesome. I want to actually see my, um, what what was that guy's name I've had on the show before? Matthew Boudreaux. Is that his name? Boudreaux? The guy who's friends with Tim Kennedy. Oh, there he is. Matt, Matt Boudreaux. Look at this. Um. 
he posted this the other day. I want to see my my um. Oh, here we go. Okay. Uh, look at this. Look at this story. Listen, this is the story of my life, by the way. When I heard him saying this, I was like, this is this is like the total story of my life. You guys are going to love this. You guys are going to so relate to this. Okay, ready? Um, uh, here we go. All right. So was I pulled to the side at the airport? Yes. Did they take my bag and search it? Yes. Did they pull something out and say, we need an explanation for this? Yes. When I explained it, did they ask more questions and still not fully understand what it was and how I had it in my bag and why I was trying to sneak it through the airport? Yes. Even when I explained it, did they take their little wipey thing and wipe it down and, you know, plug that in the machine to see if it was something crazy? Yes. Had some great guesses in the comments, people saying, uh, or in the, to the story that I posted, people saying, oh, was it protein powder? Maybe it was John Lovell's sword. Uh, I'm sure it was some sort of cocaine because so this guy was stopped in the airport and they're like searching his shit. And when he's saying this at first, I was like, come on, Matt, no one gives a shit. That shit happens to me all the fucking time. I've been in secondary fucking a thousand times. What do I give a fuck? Like, yes. Yeah, so and that's what I thought too. He probably had protein powder. So what? They're just doing their job. They're just doing their job. Right. I was thinking that the whole time. Right. I was like, oh, this is kind of silly. This is kind of silly, but the guy's my friend and I like him. So I'm listening anyway. Okay, here we go. Because that would make sense for the way they handled it. But if you said, was it a bag of dried mangoes? You'd be the winner. A bag of dried mangoes. Dude, he got fucking taken to uh, um, uh, secondary and question and all that shit because he had a bag of dried mangoes. I'm still okay with it, but don't anyone ever fucking tell me that black people get fucking treated worse than white people. Let me tell you, everyone gets treated weird. And a matter of fact, if you are black, you get treated better now because everyone's scared to fucking death of you. So, so I don't want to hear any of your fucking bullshit anymore. You did it. You won. It's over. Shut the fuck up. They're fucking, they fuck with white people a thousand times. more. It's not even that they fuck with white people more. They just don't fuck with you guys like they used to. If they ever did. So, so you won. It's, it's done. It's done. Quiet. I don't want to hear nothing from no one about that shit ever again. Because because if this was if this was some fucking whiny woke dude, I don't want to say some uh, whiny black dude because that's not fair. But if this was some fucking whiny woke dude, he'd be saying it happened because he was black. And it's not. It's not happening at all. It's just because people are stupid. And, I, and I'm okay with if, – if you don't know what dried mango is, even though you're a retard, I'm still okay. Good. Fine. Pull the guy over and take him to secondary and put your thumb in his ass. I'm fine with it. I ain't hating on you. You're doing your job. Good on you. Just do it. But don't for a second tell me it's because of the fucking color of your skin. That's fucking – that's done. Listen, anyone can go into a Nordstrom's now and take whatever they want. You win. We lost. Fine. Society's toast. Trump 2024. Mm -hmm. all right love you guys uh tomorrow fuck i don't know what i'm doing tomorrow what is today saturday i would hang out with you guys some more i want to hang out with you guys but i have to pee oh oh this is going to be good jedediah nelson winner of wheel what look at those titties uh tsa at raleigh wanted me to get out of my chair so they could pat down my butt 
Ah, oh my goodness. I'd fucking love it. So what? Why didn't you like it? That's the most action your ass would have gotten a long time. Let Bubba fondle your butt. Damn. Pat down your butt. What would you have done? Would you have just pushed up in your chair and held up like that? And then they would have slipped the, uh, dude, I just did that thing. Well, you know, where you push on the two sides of your wheelchair and you pick your butt off the ground. That thing we do. Um, I have this like tightness in my fucking groin that I've ever had since doing Chad. Let me tell you, Chad is bad programming. That exercise, Chad, I know this is going to be blasphemy because it's a hero wad. That is a, that's, that's what gives CrossFit a bad name. That's just stupid. Like, like, like that's just stupid. Thousand step ups with a fucking 40 pound back bag on your back. I don't know. Run the commercial and go pee. I don't know. I don't even know if I have commercials anymore. Do I have commercials? I made a new commercial for um, behind the scenes yesterday. That's coming out. Let's see. What's this? Uh, California peptides. No, that, not that. Paper Street Coffee. No, not that. Vindicate. I wonder if this is Vindicate. Use code Sevon for 15% off. Is that true? I didn't know you get self-made training program. What's this? Must be some Taylor uses for his show. Um, the barbell spin. Look at that. Jesus. Oh, lawn chair leaderboarding. All these little, um, uh, birth fit. Dear Sarah Cox, dear Bill and Katie, the phone number. Oh, like, and subscribe. I don't know where the commercial is. Oh, what's this? CrossFit Games app? CrossFit uh, CA Peptide? No, not that. Jeez. Too many buttons. This is Where the fuck is Caleb? What happened to Caleb? GoWad? What the fuck is GoWad? Oh, Two Brain Business? This? Not that. Oh, this? that there's no i can't that's not oh oh uh um mm, i don't know there's one here called mitch wagner i wonder what that is Hmm. oh smtp no is this a free workout? Here's a workout for you guys to hit next time you're in the gym. This workout is a unique format where the priority is both time and load. Pick a weight that's going to challenge you while still remaining manageable. Have fun. And remember to use your hook grip on this one. Tag us if you get a chance to hit it. How young did Taylor look in that? What's happened to him since then? Uh, video backgrounds are now supported. In the studio. Oh, what is this? Uh-oh. I'm about to click something that I don't know if I should click. If I lose you guys, sorry. Oh. Oh, shit. 
Oh no, I lost my sponsors. Jesus Christ. Oh shit. I knew I shouldn't have pushed on these buttons. Bubbles? Dark. Damn, I lost my sponsors. Pornhub? What's this? Wow. There's all sorts of crazy buttons back here. Well, now I lost my sponsors. Well, that's a mess. Oh, can I turn this off? Nope, they didn't come back. All right. What's going on? You could have gone pee 10 times now. Oh, Taylor got married. That's what happened. No, I have the, I have the, uh, what do you mean you're going to lose the phone? I have the, oh, no, I have the phone. Phone's here. Oh, yeah, where is the phone? Oh, no, it's here. So we have too many phones. All right, I'm going. Um, if anyone wants to hang out today, let me know. Just partying all day. Just going to do a workout. Well, zombie. Felt some movement in the pants when you heard the, the Pornhub song. Daniel Garrity, there are three big CrossFit events happening simultaneously, uh, Dubai, Legends, and and I have no idea what's happening at any of them. We need Sunday night recap show. I know that'd probably be good. Uh, what's the third one? What's the third one? The Sebanistas bench press competition? Oh, Fit Fest. Oh, yeah, yeah. Pedro's there. Talk to you guys soon. Bye-bye.